Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, customer experience fans and professionals, welcome to Experience Points presented by Avtex. I'm Joey Coleman and we are so excited to have you join us. At Experience Points, you'll watch as our featured contestants answer questions about customer and employee experience and share their insight on how to make your interactions remarkable. We play a series of three games and each time a contestant answers a question correctly, they earn points. These points then turn into dollars for the charity of their choosing, thanks to a generous donation from our friends at Avtex, who transform customer experience through CX design and orchestration. I'm Dan Gingis, and I'd love to introduce you to our contestant today. He is the man, the legend, a good friend and mentor of both of your Experience Points hosts, a New York Times bestselling author of six books, a member of the National Speakers Association Hall of Fame, a seventh generation entrepreneur, and the founder of not one, not two, not three, not four, but five multi-million dollar companies, Mr. Jay Bear. Welcome, sir. Dan, Joey, fantastic to be here. Thanks for having me on. I could have worn the same suit for sort of a continuity year of the show, but I'll, I'll wear blue if that's how it rolls. Delighted to be here. I love the premise of this program. I noticed, however, Joey, in the introduction, you said, welcome CX fans or professionals, because apparently nobody is both. If you're a professional, you are no longer a fan of CX. Is that how that rolls? Yeah, I think that's exactly what we were going for there, Jay. I love it. Mission accomplished. Well, you know, Jay, we are thrilled to have you on the show today, and you're going to be playing for a special charity. Could you tell us who you've decided to play for and why you're excited to play for them? I am playing for the Joey Coleman Social Media Education Foundation. It's a limited edition charity. That's an inside joke, friends, because Dan and Jay (laughs) are both prolific on social media. Joey is not. So thank you. I will happily accept any donations to the uh, (laughs) Joey Coleman remedial social media. Remedial Twitter boot camp, for sure. No, I am playing for the Boys and Girls Club of Bloomington right here in Bloomington, Indiana, an organization that I support and do some work for. My stepdad, actually, before he passed away, was a very big Boys and Girls Club supporter. In fact, he grew up in a Boys and Girls Club as a young man and then ended up working there as an advisor to the kids for many, many years. So Boys and Girls Club have always been a a real important organization for my family, and especially now during the pandemic when people have less ties to school, right? People are online school, et cetera. Having that safe place to go, that comforting, nurturing place to go after school or even during the day now is really, really important. So support your local Boys and Girls Club, folks. Outstanding. That is a fantastic cause, Jay. So now that we know who you're playing for, let's get into the game. Let's play Fake or Fact. In Fake or Fact, examine three similar experiences. Some are real, some are not. Your task is to determine the fake from the fact. Each experience correctly detected is worth 100 points. Three correct answers will earn you 200 bonus points for a possible score of 500 points. Now, Jay, it's important that you know that the three examples could all be fake, they could all be fact, or it could be a mix of fake and fact but I think you're up to the challenge. Are you ready to get started? Well, which is it this time? Exactly. No hints early on, my friend. All right, Jay. In many ways, signs outside of a business are one of the oldest forms of marketing, and yet they're still in use today. We're going to present three examples of signs and ask you which ones are real and which ones are fake. The first is outside of a gelato shop. It says, 
Our gelato will never give you up, let you down, run around, but it will desert you. The second is outside of a home services company that says septic tanks pumped, swimming pools filled, not same truck. And the third one is outside of a fishing charter company, and it says, let us help you hook up. So, Jay, we're going to go through each one of them and ask you whether you think they are fake or fat. Let's go back to the first one. It's outside of a gelato shop. Our gelato will never give you up, let you down, run around, but it will desert you. All right, so this seems plausible for sure, but the syntax is somewhat tortured. It also feels very long. Frankly, it feels like something Joey Coleman would have written. So I'm going to say that that one is fake. I'm going to say fake. All right. Well, let's look and see if you're correct, Jay. Jay, you've been rickrolled, brother. It is fact. Oh, it hurts. See, I think that was the universe getting you for the snarky remarks thus far. The universe is not your fan. No, I would. Look, I like gelato, and I think that's clear given this camera angle. But I purposely would not eat gelato there. Let's just wipe the gelato off our chin and move to the next question because we got to make some money for the kids. This is outside of a home services company. Septic tanks pumped, swimming pools filled, not same truck. Syntax is better on this one, I think. It is. I feel like I have seen this somewhere before. I desperately, desperately want this to be fact because this is the kind of signage that I can get behind and the kind of service business, frankly. I'm going to say that this was fact. All right. Well, I desperately, desperately want you to be right. And you are right, Mr. Bear. And in fact, we're going to give you the phone number. You just have to guess the area code and you can call these guys up. Pause the show. Great job. Great job. So finally, we have a fishing charter company and their sign says, let us help you hook up. Look, I was just fishing at night before last, caught six fish. Fishing is improving here in the late summer. I don't fish in this blazer, but I could, I suppose. I also grew up in a lake town, so I feel like I have been experienced with all of the fish hook charter punnery that exists. This has to be fact. It's too easy. It's got to be fact. So what you're saying then is it's not something that Dan or Joey would have just written up. It has to be fact. Because, you know, I was noticing you were commenting on Joey's ability to create song lyrics earlier. Well, no, but Joey is an attorney. So the reason I thought Joey wrote the first one is that it's very long and complicated. Let's make sure the audience understands I'm a recovering attorney. The first step's admitting you have a problem. You pass the bar. You can't just like get rid of that, right? Yeah, you can't deny it now, Joey. We won't make any comments about whether people on this show have passed the bar or whether they walked right in when they went by the bar. No worries. (laughs) Let's go ahead and do the reveal. It's fact. Jay, we made this one up, buddy. There's no way. (laughs) There's no way. It's too good. It has to be true. Okay, here's what you do. You need to license that to a chain of fishing charters before this show is over. That's a great idea. Well, Dan gets the credit for that one because Dan was the author of that, sadly, at this point in the game. Of the three, that's the best one. There you go. Well, Dan, you've got a good career in sign writing ahead of you. Going back to the second one, there's a place in my hometown when I grew up, Lake Havasu City, Arizona, and it was called Chicken and Donuts because they had fried chicken and donuts. Not different truck, though. So every donut tasted vaguely of fried chicken and every chicken breast tasted vaguely of donut. But hey, that's corporate synergy for you. 
as anybody who's been listening to the game thus far knows, you are a guy who has no problem infusing comedy and entertainment into a business conversation. Could you speak a little bit about the importance of letting your brand spirit come out in your communications, whether that's a sign that's playful, that gets people to stop and laugh or an email or your offerings, your product descriptions, because as you pointed out, so many businesses are a little more rigid and structured and they're afraid to be fun and be creative. I guess I would say it this way. It doesn't matter what business you're in. It doesn't matter if you're in the gelato business or the septic tank pumping business or the fishing charter business or the customer experience consultancy business. It doesn't matter. You don't have a secret sauce. You think that you've got something special, that you offer something to the marketplace that nobody does, or you have some sort of special price point or deal. You don't. There is no secret sauce. And what really makes the difference between businesses that are adequate and businesses that are exceptional is the fact that customers remember you. You have to give yourself permission to do something different, to act different, to approach things different. That's why I always wear plaid. It's not an accident. It's a strategy. The same reason you would have a sign that somebody would actually take a beat, like, oh, yeah, the gelato guys, or, oh, yeah, the mythical fishing charter, which no longer exists. Never did. It is worth the time and investment to differentiate because you think that your core product and service is a differentiator and in almost zero cases, is it? Yeah, I think that's a great point. And, you know, as we know, Jay, signage is just but one way to communicate with customers. And, you know, some companies don't have a physical storefront to display any signage. You wrote a fantastic book called Talk Triggers that teaches people how to create experiences that people want to talk about. I'm wondering if you can share maybe an example of a company that used communication in order to create a talk trigger. Sure. There's lots of examples. Thank you for the kind words. I co-wrote that book with my good friend, Daniel Lemon, who's really the brains of the operation. You're Um, just the looks, right, Jay? Precisely. Some say. My mom says. Communication is a great way to differentiate, especially because so much communication is so perfunctory and mundane, right? Especially in B2B. People have taken like a vow of sameness. Like, well, we can't do anything interesting because they won't treat us seriously because we sell to other businesses. So... One of my favorite examples, uh, you guys know this story, is from Uber Conference. Okay, so Uber Conference is a free voice over the internet calling service, right? So you can have a conference call, not dissimilar to Zoom, really, totally free. And there are, last time I checked, like 11 different companies that do the exact same thing. I mean, the exact same thing. You couldn't put a thin sliced piece of ham between the product offerings of the companies in this category. However, they have chosen to differentiate based on how they communicate. Very irreverent positioning in the market in general, which certainly makes them stand out. And my favorite piece of their story is that when you show up for a conference call and everybody's waiting for everybody else to get there, there is on-hold music, as we are all familiar with. Their on-hold music, though, is not sort of Kenny G or some other kind of smooth jazz. It is, in fact, a very hilarious song about the vagaries and inconsistencies of waiting on hold. And the song's actually written by their CEO, by the way. And everybody laughs and laughs and laughs. And right now, you could pause this show and go to Twitter and type in Uber Conference plus on hold, and you will see dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of examples of customers saying things almost exactly like this. These guys do the same thing everybody else does, but I use this service because the on hold music is so funny. And sometimes that's all it takes. Absolutely. You know, and I think that makes sense logically, right? That we want to stand out, that we want to differentiate. So many companies focus on that. You know, some of our viewers and listeners, Jay, are maybe in a position in the organization where 
they can't push the company too far. You know, they're maybe not in the leadership position. Could you speak a little bit to any suggestions for the person listening or watching us today who says, oh, I want my brand to have more of a personality. We want to get it out there. I'm not sure where to start, or I'm not sure how to convince the other people in the management team who think that we are actually different from the competition when I know that we're not. Any thoughts on how they might go about doing that? Sometimes you can differentiate not so much at the corporate level, but because of the collective actions of the employees. So if I talk about Southwest Airlines, for example, Southwest has, generally speaking, a good brand positioning. People who fly Southwest are very loyal to that brand. And if you look at their communications, yeah, they're slightly irreverent, um, but they're not Geico, right? I mean, they're slightly off-center, perhaps not as buttoned up as some of the others in the airline business. But what makes the spirit of that brand is not really the corporate communication. It's that they give the individual team members in that organization permission. They give them license. In fact, they screen for it the ability to work without a script, to do things spontaneously, informally, and say, just have fun, just be yourself, communicate with people as human beings, and it makes a colossal difference. So that's what I would say, Joey, is, yeah, maybe you don't want to sit down with a board and say, hey, let's you know become more irreverent or differentiated, but you can give your team members permission to deal with the public as human beings. And that will go a long way to differentiate you as well, because frankly, most companies don't do that. Outstanding. So Joey, tell us how Jay did playing fact or fake. Well, in this game, correct answers are worth 100 points. And Jay answered one of the questions correctly, which means he earned 100 points. Now those 100 points convert to dollars, which means Jay earned a $100 donation to the Boys and Girls Club of Bloomington. Congratulations, Jay. I feel like I cost the Boys and Girls Club of Bloomington $400, but I appreciate how you positioned it. Thank you, Joey. Well, don't worry, Jay, because you're going to be back to play some more games with us. Let's play What Happened. In What Happened, watch to the first half of an experience story. Choose what you think happens next from four possible endings. Answer correctly for 500 points. If incorrect, you'll be granted an extra life and the opportunity to answer from the remaining three endings for 250 points. Alrighty, well today's customer experience story comes to us from David Rosenfield. Now, David is a commercial litigator of counsel at Gordon and Reese LLP in Denver, Colorado. Here's the experience David had. I purchased a, uh, a kayak online um, about a month or so ago. I saw some sort of special on Instagram, uh, an ad popped up. I won't name the store, um, but it was with a reputable store, um, or at least a, I mean, a reputable sort of kayak company. So I didn't have too many qualms about it. And so I went ahead and purchased it and I paid for it with PayPal. And a couple of weeks had gone by and I hadn't received the item and I kept checking on the, on the shipping status and it said order still being processed, um, but it hadn't shipped yet. So I was a little concerned and I sent two emails to the company that I purchased it through asking about the shipping status. The first one I never heard back from. And then the second time it said that the store that I had purchased it from off the ad no longer existed, which seemed you know obviously odd and very concerning. And the company I knew was still existed. I know the company that manufactures kayak. So it was all very strange. All right. So what happened? A, did he file a class action suit on behalf of customers who had paid for but not received their kayaks? B, called PayPal but was told they're not responsible for third-party sellers? C, sent a single message to PayPal and received a full refund? 
or D, nothing. He ended up with no kayak and no refund and no smiles. Jay, what do you think happened and why do you think it happened that way? Can we talk about David Impulse buying a kayak on Instagram? (laughs) Is that part of the show? By the way, Jay, full disclosure, since you happened to mention my fantastic hairline, and you might have noticed that David is also follically challenged. Yes. David, in full disclosure, is my first cousin. (laughs) So (laughs) That narrows it down here on the answers quite a bit. (laughs) Well, considering he is an attorney, you might think A, but to have a class, you have to have a whole lot of affected customers. It would be tricky for him to track that group down. Not impossible. That's why you run TV ads like, do you have mesothelioma? Call David about kayaks. I don't think that's true. Because he's an attorney, I don't think he would, and he seems a little irked in the video. So I don't think he'd be like, well, that's the vagaries of Instagram. So I don't think D is necessarily the right answer. I think it's between B and C. Now, I am a little bit of a risk avoidance kind of person. And so the deal here is that I can give you 250 and basically assure myself of 250 if I'm correct in narrowing this down to B and C. Do I have the rules of the game accurate? You do have the rules of the game accurate. You're feeling pretty good, I think, based on your choices. You sound pretty confident. Which one between B or C do you think, though? Which way do you want to go? So I've never tried to call PayPal, and I use them a lot. And it seems to me because he said that he sent messages prior, it seems to me that David is more, let's try the digital communication methodology first as opposed to telephone. And I think PayPal is pretty good in my experiences. So I'm going to say C, and I'm hoping for the best, that he got a full refund. It's definitely the best customer experience of the four. So I'm not surprised you went that way. Let's watch the second half of the video and see what happens. But basically, I reached out to PayPal and I either disputed the charge or at least asked them to sort of further investigate it. And this was all done electronically. And PayPal said they'd get back to me by X date. I think it was like a week later. And precisely a week later to that date or or whatever the date they said they'd get back to me by, they in fact got back to me by. And they simply refunded my money and said that they confirmed that I hadn't, uh, that the product hadn't been shipped to me. I hadn't received it. And that was it. The last part about it from my customer experience with PayPal was I had zero human interaction. And I literally only had to send one message um, with a brief description of what happened. They told me they'd get back to me by a certain date. They did. And they refunded my money. Jay, brother, you got it right. Congratulations. My faith in humanity is restored. (laughs) Isn't it interesting, though? I think it's such a great illustration, guys, because so often you have one kind of customer experience. And then that forces you to interact with a different company, which then has a completely different customer experience, right? Like he feels way better about PayPal than he did before, only because he feels way worse about a kayak company. It's such an interesting dynamic, right? It really is, Jay. And I think what's fascinating is as we move to more things being purchased online and being delivered by third-party shippers, you're right. There are these satellite companies that we have interaction with tangentially based on what we're trying to do. So you want to buy the kayak. Well, you've got the relationship with PayPal for processing the payment. Then you've got the relationship with UPS or FedEx or the post office, whoever the shipper is delivering the product. And then you've still got the relationship with the original seller of the kayak. It gets pretty complicated. And I think you bring up an excellent point. We're kind of at the mercy 
of the other people in the chain. Let's pretend in this hypothetical that the kayak seller was a great organization, but something went wrong with the payment processing. That happened to me just a week ago. I might even do this as an episode of the show, so I won't give it all away, but I made a very large purchase online, great experience, and then they contracted the shipping to a third party and like the worst shipping I've ever had. And I actually had to get a hold of the company and say, look, I can't recommend your product even though it's great and I love it because the last mile was so bad. I know it's not even your company, but you got to pick somebody else, do something, right? It was, it was crazy. Here's another example. I think we've talked about this before, Genghis. Like, you know how so many brands have manifestations of the brand in public places? So I, the example I go to is airports. In lots and lots and lots of airports, there are Starbucks. But the people working at the airport Starbucks are not Starbucks employees. They're working for the airport concessionaire. And trust me, your Starbucks customer service and the ability to execute on any drink that's not hot coffee in a cup is not nearly as good at the airport location as it is in an actual Starbucks location. But yet it's the same uniform. It's the same logo, right? So you're actually, your thirst to expand and be in all these big public places, stadium, airport, whatever, is actually imperiling your brand and your customer experience in some ways. Yeah, I agreed. And the example I love to use, since I know we're, we're all sports fans here, is, you know, you think about a stadium and the stadium can put on great activities for the kids and have amazing food and have great sight lines. And it can be a terrific place to watch a, a ball game, but it could rain or the team could suck or you know, there's things that are completely out of its control, no matter how good you make the experience. And to me, the lesson is, is you have to do your part, certainly. You have to make sure that the part of the experience that you control is working. But if you're going to partner with a third party, a payment processor, a shipper or something like that, you got to make sure that those lines of communication are open as well. Because, you know, David could have blamed the shipping company, the payment company or the kayak company in this instance. And you never sort of know who is going to... Or Instagram. Or Instagram, maybe. Or us for telling his story on the game show. But, you know, you don't really know who's going to have to shoulder the blame. And so when you partner, you do have to be aware of how their experience is as well. Yeah, or your team could have a racist nickname for like 50 years, right, Joey? Yeah, and let's be clear, that's not my team. I lived in Washington, D.C., but that's not my team. Although it's interesting you bring up Washington, D.C., Jay, because what you and Dan shared made me think of two things. Number one, when the Washington Nationals baseball team built their new stadium, they intentionally went out and got local restaurants to build locations in the stadium. So like yeah. Ben's Chili Bowl, which is very famous location in Washington, D.C., they actually put a Ben's Chili's Bowl in the stadium. And to your point, Dan, I think that helped solve the problem because the people working there were actually representatives of the entire brand. And so it made for a different experience. Yeah. I'm reminded of something my wife said, and to be clear, she was not speaking about me personally when she said this, but it encapsulated so beautifully. She said, it's not your fault, but it's your problem. And that idea Ooh. that all too often when we're interacting that and is we good. have partners, yeah, I mean, my wife is absolutely brilliant. And it was one of those things where she said that and was like, I have to write that down and quote you directly because so often in customer experience scenarios, we get caught up in the fact that it's not our fault. We're like, yeah, yeah, but I didn't do it. We didn't fail. It wasn't our problem. And it's like, yeah, doesn't matter. For the customer, it's a problem, which by default means it's your problem. That's a good book title. One of you should borrow that. Hey, there we go. I like it. I like it. Okay, Dan, let's recap. How did Jay do playing What Happened? Well, Joey, as you know, correct answers 
in this game are worth 500 points. And Jay indeed answered correctly, which means he earned 500 points. Now these points convert into dollars, which means Jay has earned a $500 donation to the Boys and Girls Club of Bloomington. Congratulations, Mr. Bear. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you to Avtech, most importantly. I appreciate it. Woohoo, Jay, I love it. Let's play Think Fast. In Think Fast, you will have one minute to answer five experience questions. For each question, you must quickly choose between two possible answers. Correct answers given before time runs out are worth 100 points. Five correct answers will earn you 500 bonus points for a possible score of 1,000 points. First question, which industry ranked number one for generating the most positive customer experiences? Was it hotels or consumer tech? Consumer tech. Question two, what was the top brand out of 600 based on positive social media mentions that included personal pronouns like I? Was it Wendy's or Etsy? Etsy. Number three, which brands came in second and third for positive social media mentions? Was it Four Seasons and Dior or MTV and Sephora? Four Seasons and Dior. Question four, toward which industry were consumers most unforgiving of poor customer experience? They were either unlikely or very unlikely to give a brand a second chance. Was it household goods or airlines? Airlines. And finally, in which industry do consumers most likely expect an answer within minutes if they reported a problem? Is it consumer technology or hotels? I'm going to say hotels. Woo! We got it in under the wire. Jay, great job. I literally think I got all of those wrong. <laughs> I think I just made zero dollars for the Boys and Girls Club of Bloomington. We'll have to see. Let's go to the scores. Maybe you did better than you thought. That was so hard. Very <laughs> difficult questions. Very difficult game. Let's get into it. Question number one, which industry ranked number one for generating the most positive customer experiences? You said consumer tech. The answer is... Hotels. Uh-oh, Jay. We're 0 for 1, but that's okay. We're going to keep going here. Question number two asked, what was the top brand out of 600 based on positive social media mentions that included personal pronouns like I? You said Etsy. The answer was Etsy. Well done. He's on the board, ladies and gentlemen. He's on the board. He is on the board. All right. Question number three. Which brands came in second and third for positive social media mentions? You said Four Seasons and Dior. The answer was MTV and Sephora. MTV is the one that threw me off there. Sephora has got a very cult-like following, including my daughter, Four Seasons, I'm like, oh, everybody likes the Four Seasons. Dior, yeah, that's a tough one. I didn't think MTV was still that popular. I mean, I'll be honest, Jay, I don't know that the three of us are still in their target demographic. That may be yeah, the challenge, sure. you know? And they're definitely not still popular for what we remember them as being popular for when we were younger. All right, towards which industry were consumers most unforgiving of poor customer experience? You said airlines. The answer is actually household goods believe it or not tough one tough one all right uh, you know who's got that kind of mop drama nobody protest what does brand watch know there's an official complaint has been logged by the contestant okay. to question the validity <laughs> of that answer kids. we're gonna go to the replay officials in new york and check into this all right and in which industry do consumers most likely expect an answer within minutes if they reported a problem you said hotels. Joey, show them the answer. 
Unfortunately, it was consumer technology, Jay. This is some kind of show. We're going to make sure we get you that brand watch report after the show. <laughs> so as we talk about all of these questions and the brands that are doing things right and kind of getting the most attention, one of the things that really came through in this study was about building a brand community. Now, I know that you have studied so many different companies and you've, you've shared so many case studies in your books. What's a company that really sticks out to you for its community? You know, one of my favorite examples of brands that build a great community goes all the way back to really the beginning of brand community digitally. It's a case study that's well over a decade old now, but I still think it's the Harley Davidson Harley Owners Group, the Hogs. What I like about that example is not only does it exist online, very robust message boards and forums and opportunities for Harley owners and riders to interact online, but it has a very, very, very important, perhaps more important offline component. One of the things I don't like right now, guys, is when we think about brand community, so often we now think about online community, like let's build a Facebook group or some sort of um, freestanding kind of social media-esque community for our customers to interact. Yeah, that's part of the story for sure, but there's a lot of other things you can and should do offline, and I think Harley-Davidson is a really good example of that. Certainly, if you want to be part of an online-only group, I wouldn't stand in your way, but I really like thinking about community from both sides, online and offline. Jay, I totally agree with you. I mean, there needs to be that online, offline brand blend. And, you know, I know you two tease me a lot because I'm not as active on social media, but I think some companies figure that they're making a choice one way or the other. And the sad reality or the challenging reality maybe is that in this era, you've got to have a presence on both. Could you speak a little bit to the idea and the power of comments that are coming in on social? I mean, a lot of the questions that we asked you about, we're talking about positive brand messages in social. Can you talk about how that actually impacts the bottom line of the business? Because I think lots of times we see it more as window dressing and ego stroking when the reality is it can have an impact on our sales too. A colossal impact on your sales. In fact, I would argue maybe the biggest impact on your sales, Joey. Look, the best way to grow any business is for your customers to grow it for you. That requires word of mouth. What is an online review? Word of mouth, asynchronously. What is a social media comment? Word of mouth in a digital environment. It's just as, if not more important, than sitting around with your friend over coffee and saying, hey, I like that movie, I don't like a Prius, whatever your circumstances happen to be. And certainly it's much easier to share online word of mouth than offline word of mouth uh, in any event. So people tend to undervalue social media comments, both positive and negative about brands, but those are the early warning detection system of advocacy or lack of support. And that's why I would argue, if you went back through that Brandwatch report and said, okay, here are the best companies, and then mapped against that, the robustness of their voice of the customer and social listening departments, I would be willing to bet a significant amount of money on behalf of the Bloomington Boys and Girls Club that there is a strong correlation between voice of the customer programs, social listening, and overall customer experience excellence. Well, I have to say, Joey, since we are talking to a member of the Word of Mouth Marketing Hall of Fame. I honestly don't think there's anything else you and I can add to that discussion because that was a perfect answer. So let's talk about what Jay did playing Think Fast. Well, ladies and gentlemen, in this game, correct answers are worth 100 points. I wouldn't know what that's like. <laughs> and Jay answered one question correctly, which means he earned 100 points. Now, that being said, 
I'm hearing something from our producers. They felt that the analysis was really strong that Jay gave. <laughs> so this 100 points is being doubled to 200 points. Thank we'll you. We'll convert those into dollars, which means that Jay earned a $200 donation to the Boys and Girls Club of Bloomington. Congratulations. I am glad to take your pity dollars. I am, I am not too proud on behalf of the kids. Thank you. And seriously, guys, thank you. I love the show. It's really, really fun. But most importantly, thank you to Avtex for their support. It's really, really great that they're doing that. Thank you, guys. Well, thank you, Jay, for being on and uh, for being such a great sport. We really appreciate it. And you know what? You played three games with us on Experience Points, and altogether you did pretty well for the Boys and Girls Club of Bloomington. So check out the other games with Jay and our other celebrity contestants at experiencepointsgame.com. That website, again, is experiencepointsgame.com. We'll see you soon for more examples of remarkable customer experiences here at Experience Points, presented by Aftex.